Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Thank you, everybody. Please take your seats. Thank you. Always great to be back at Shell Harbour again, 11 years. We were both young ministers back then. Uh, but Shane pointed out before, he said, we're still young ministers. That's true, on the inside. But always great, great, great to be back here. Um, this church is one, one, one of our supporting churches. As Shane mentioned, uh, we're involved in mission, in cross-cultural mission, to what we call the unreached people groups of the world today. Uh, in the world, uh, there's 195 countries, as you know, but the world is actually comprised of about 16,000 identifiable people groups. And of those, a staggering 6,600 or so of those people groups are classified as unreached. What that means is there's either less than 2% Christian or there's no known Christians among that people group so that they can't evangelize their own people, disciple their own people, or plant their own churches without external help. And that is, is our focus. We're not a big mission. Uh, we have about 260 missionaries uh, serving in 33 nations, and they come from 30 nations. Our headquarters is Singapore. We're domiciled in New Zealand. We're, we're a global ministry, uh, but I happen to live here in, in Australia. And your church is a partner with us in what we're doing among the majority world. And I love the fact before that you mentioned the persecuted church because that is happening right now. Some of our people, uh, some of our missionaries have got church plants in a country called Burkina Faso, in the northern part of Burkina Faso, where there is an insurgency at the moment, and pastors were killed last week. So this is real. What you're praying for is very real. Some of the people that we relate to were killed last week. I won't give the details of the story. It's, it's horrific. But this is happening right now um, in part of the world. So through your partnership, you are going to countries that you perhaps you've never heard of in, in uh, really tough, tough places where there's no coronavirus because there's no one else going there uh, also. So I just wanted to say a big heartfelt thank you for that just before I come to the message uh, also. So today I, I want to talk to you from a well-known passage of Scripture, but I pray that today it would come with freshness to you as well. I'm, I'm asking the question, you know, in, in January we had bushfires that were out of control. In February we had floods that were out of control. In March, even worse, we have no toilet paper. I mean, what worse can happen to our country? You know, and at the moment, as you know, we've, we've got this global pandemic called coronavirus, SARS-2, COVID-19, whatever word you want to use. And it seems to be that the world is in free fall. It seems to be out of control. But the point I want to make here today is that God is still in control. And one of the greatest responses we can have when we feel like everything is out of control, when we feel so insecure, when we feel natural anxiety, natural fear, is one of the best things we can do is pray. And so today, what I'm going to talk to you about is the power of united prayer. And this is not just a message for message's sake. At the end of my time, at the end of the message, I want to take just a couple of minutes to pray as a church because I absolutely believe that, that God hears and He answers prayer, particularly when God's people are coming together in a united way and they lift their voice when they're saying, God, we don't know what to do and we don't understand what is happening, but we lift our voice to you. And that's really what, what this passage uh, is, is all about. So the title of my message today is The Power of United Prayer. So in this message, 
I want to have a look at a passage of Scripture that really articulates what we should do when we're faced with something that is bigger than us when we don't understand what is going on. One of the things we learn from Scripture is that whenever and wherever God's people pray with one voice, God answers in a very powerful way. If, as James wrote, that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, how much more powerful and effective is it when a community of believers lift their voice and pray? That, again, is what this story is all about. Allow me to read it to you. I'll be reading it from, from my phone because I forgot to bring my Bible. <laughs> How's that for a preacher? He forgot to bring his Bible. Uh, mainly because I've memorized it, but no. But, and my nose just grew. Okay, Acts 4, verse number 23. It reads like this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had, had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met, met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And I love this verse. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And all I can say today is, Lord, do it again. Do it here. Do it today. Shake us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Allow me just, just, just to give you uh, the context and the background of this passage before I begin to apply, apply it to, to our lives here today. Before ascending into heaven, Jesus had been resurrected and he instructed his disciples in Luke 24, verse number 49. He said, go into the city and wait for the promise of my father until you have been clothed with power from on high. And in obedience, 120 people gathered in the upper room. And in Acts 1, 14, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. And this unified prayer prepared their hearts for the dramatic, revolutionary, empowering, transforming experience of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the results were immediate. 3,000 people responded to Peter's preaching. But what, what were they going to do with all of these converts? Acts 2, verse number 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. The point I'm trying to underline here is that from the birth of the church, there was unified prayer in the Christian community. Then, in Acts 3, Peter and John are on their way to the prayer meeting at the temple. There's, a, there, there's a, a disabled beggar, and he asked them for money. And they did not have any money, 
but they had something more valuable, more life-changing. And, uh, and Peter said in Acts 3 verse 6, But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then Peter took him by the hand, and the resurrection power of Jesus flowed through this man, and every fiber, every muscle, every joint, every bone, and he was healed. And the consequence was, in verse 7 of chapter 3, it says, Instantly the man's ankles and feet became strong, and then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And because the man was joyously, enthusiastically, and exuberantly praising God, the apostles found themselves surrounded by a crowd that was awestruck by this great miracle. So Peter began to preach about Jesus. And while he was preaching, the authorities intervened. This had gone far enough. And the scripture says in chapter 4, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. This was unauthorized preaching of an unauthorized topic by unauthorized preachers. So, on the pretext of a breach of peace, they had the apostles arrested, but because it was evening, they waited till the next day to put them on trial. So the next day, all, of the, all the religious heavyweights are there. And some of the hierarchy asked them, by what power or what name are you doing this? And it says in chapter 4, verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly began to preach about the resurrected Jesus. And I love the uncompromising nature of his words. In verse 10 it says, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Consequently, Peter and John were commanded not to teach in the name of Jesus any longer. But this was unacceptable to them, and they said, but we can't help but speak and tell others about what we have seen and heard. That's the background of our text. And that's where we come to verse, verse number 23 that says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So, after being berated by the authorities, Peter and John returned to the place where their fellow apostles and other believers are gathered to report their experience of intimidation imprisonment and threat. So what would the response of the church be? The church had been growing, miracles had been taking place, but now evil was counteracting. Was this the time just to blend in and be quiet and be respectable? Was it time to just say, hey, let's, let's just blend in with everybody else? No. Verse number 24 says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Prayer was their response to the challenge, intimidation, attack, and threat. When things seemed to be out of control and insecure and unstable, what they did was they lifted their voice in prayer to God. And it was not a, a passive, melancholy, reflective prayer. For it says here, they raised their voices to God. 
And friends, today there is time for contemplation and solitude and meditation and reflection and reverential waiting. I believe in all that. But there is also a time when the church needs to have passionate, heartfelt, fervent prayer. And today, in this context, when it seems like things are out of control and in free fall, now is the time to lift our voice in prayer and pray as a community, calling out to God that He would intervene in Jesus' name. So the question I want to ask today is, what can we learn from their prayer that we can apply to our prayer so that we can see breakthroughs in Jesus' name? Number one is this. Unified prayer begins with declaring the sovereignty of God. Unified prayer begins with declaring the sovereignty of God. So the very Two first words. The early church prayed in circumstances that were bigger than them were the words, Sovereign Lord. I don't know about you, but I think that statement alone is very powerful. They're intimidated. Things are out of control. They feel insecure. But those two words should fill us with faith and confidence and assurance. The God to whom we pray today is Sovereign Lord. Now, in the context, the word sovereign at that time in the language of the day meant a ruler of unchallengeable power. But this word takes on a whole new meaning when it's applied to the Lord our God. Because our God is not some, some tyrant who rules and controls by fear or intimidation or force. No, he is a powerful God who reigns, who watches over, who leads his people with love, care, and goodness. But what, what, what I want you to notice here in this prayer is that their prayer did not begin with their human weakness or their human need. Their prayer began with an acknowledgement of divine power. Their prayer did not begin with their problem. Their prayer began with a declaration of God's divine majesty. Their prayer did not begin with the vulnerability they felt about their circumstance. Their prayer began with a declaration of trust in the sovereignty of God. And we can learn a great lesson from them here today that we need to change our perspective in prayer. Rather than begin with our frailty, our incapacity, our needs, our problems, what we need to do is refocus our prayer and begin our prayer by declaring God's power, God's sovereignty, God's strength, God's ability, God's ability to do anything in our lives. But the question, a question today is, well, what is God's sovereignty? When they prayed, sovereign Lord, what is God's, God's sovereignty? Or in a different word, God's providence. God's providence is his, his right, his responsibility to govern his creation in any way that he deems best. It is expressed in his actions, in exercising his will and reign to fulfill his will as he determines. God is able to do what He wills, when He wills, according to His will. That is His sovereignty. We know today that our, our God is the all-powerful one and that nothing is impossible to Him and that God has limitless power to do whatever He wills, but it's always in conjunction with His wise 
and perfect will. That God is able to orchestrate any and every circumstance to accomplish His will. And I believe this, that if we are genuinely submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then nothing happens in our life randomly, indiscriminately, or senselessly, but that the Lord is not guiding us, watching over us, and navigating our life. And everything that God does and everything that God allows is motivated by His love and by His goodness and by His purpose. Every providential work of God is consistent with His holy nature and character and being. Our God is a God of plans and purposes. He knows what He is doing. Everything has a purpose. And we may not understand why certain things are happening in our world. And we may not understand why certain things are happening in our life. And sometimes we can look at the contradictions and the uncertainties and the paradoxes of things that are going on. And sometimes I shake my head and I do not understand why some people go through certain things. There are some things I do not know. But friends today, based on the scripture, there are some things I do know. And that is that God is and that God is love and that God is good and that God is powerful and that God is watching over my life, that God reigns, that God rules, that my times are in his hands, that he knows all things, that he gives strength and he can give me the grace to get through any and every circumstance. I may not understand why certain things are happening, but this is what I do understand. He is the sovereign Lord and my times are in his hands. And I will not be afraid, but I will put my trust in him. So when the early church prayed, Sovereign Lord, they were acknowledging God's will as the supreme object and and the supreme thing that they wanted in their lives. And today, my encouragement to you is when you just feel like, "I, I don't know how to pray, I don't know what to do, start off with those two powerful words, Lord, you are the sovereign Lord. We submit to your sovereign will. We don't understand everything, but we thank you that you are the Lord. We declare by saying these words, I trust you. I believe in your power. I am yours. We want your will to be done in our lives and circumstances. Lord, we need your intervention in our circumstances. We are looking to you. Verse number 24 goes, goes on to say in their prayer that they prayed, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Part of God's sovereignty is seen in, 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 in the creation. And a great platform for prayer begins with affirming the fact that God is the creator of all things. We believe this by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Out of the invisible, God created the visible. Out of the intangible, God created the tangible. Out of the immaterial, God created material. Out of of nothing, God created everything. He is the creator of the spiritual realm. He is the creator of the natural universe. He is the creator of all life. And why is this important for us here here today? Because our belief in God as, as creator... He's part of putting our faith 
in his sovereign power. If he has the power to create all of this, then can we not trust him as the sovereign Lord of our lives? And so their prayer was very powerful. It's starting off with, you are sovereign and you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. But then number two, it goes to a whole new height. Number two, unified prayer is based in Scripture. Unified prayer is based on Scripture. In verses 25 and 26, it reads there, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against the, the anointed one. Notice the words there, you spoke by the Holy Spirit. They were referring to a direct quote from Psalm 2. And they regarded what was written in Psalm 2 as coming by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through David. And as New Testament believers, we believe that all Scripture is divinely inspired. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in, in righteousness. The Holy Spirit moved upon men to record the words, the works, and the wonders of God. The Bible is the written revelation of God. It is His Word to us. It forms the basis of our faith and practice and prayer. Prayer is our response to what God has written in His Word. It is our response to His revelation in Scripture. And the early church put their prayer against a biblical backdrop. In other words, they grounded it in Scripture. And the point I want to make here today is that we don't just come to God on the basis of our need. We come to God on the basis of His Word. And when you stand upon God's Word, when you declare, Lord, you have said here, therefore I am praying and I'm responding, it is powerful. And as we apply this to our lives here today, may we remember to use the Scripture as a basis for prayer to find verses in line with the things that you are praying for and stand upon that. Find specific things in the Word of God that are the basis for why you're praying that and begin to declare those things and speak those things and stand upon those things. Let me tell you a story. M many years ago, I was preaching in the northeast of India where we're seeing an incredible breakthrough, multiplied tens of thousands of baptisms. We don't count converts, we count baptisms. Because when you're brought up in a different religion, when they get baptized, that's the significant turning point. And we've had 60,000 baptisms in that part of India. That's uh, amazing. We were driving back to the airport, and there was this massive line of traffic. And our flight was leaving in one hour, and we were in suffocating traffic. And I remember just sitting there, and initially I started to fret, oh, God, I don't want to miss this flight. I hate missing flights. So what's this? I just want to go home. And then I began to think about this. I need to take this to God. And I said, Lord, in your word, it says that you opened the Red Sea. You made a way where there wasn't any way, and you brought your people through into the promised land. Lord, on that basis, I pray that you would make a way for us to get to, get to the airport on time. It just seemed like an outrageous prayer. All of a sudden, we hear sirens uh, behind us. 
And uh, on, on our right-hand side was this, this convoy going past on the wrong side of the road, which in India is normal. And uh, there's a, there, this convoy going past, and it was a VIP on his way to the airport. As it went past, our driver just went right out behind him, joined the convoy. So we're, we're flying down this road, and there's police that have stopped all the traffic, and the convoy goes through, and we go through. And we went, we went all the way to the airport while we're driving along. The bonnet of one of the cars from the VIP flew off, which again, in, in India, is not uncommon. And we got to the airport, and we were there early. God made a way where there wasn't a way. And I want to encourage you here today in the name of Jesus that the Bible is not just what we read for our reflection. It is the basis of our faith in practice. It's either true or it's not. Its principles work or they don't. What I'm trying to say here today is that when we pray, we need to ground our prayers in the Word of God. Stand upon the covenanted promises or the quickened promises that God has given you. Stand upon those because God does amazing things. Number three, a third thing I see in this passage that we learned about united prayer is that united prayer centers on Jesus' work on the cross. United prayer centers on Jesus' work on the cross. So after using the Old Testament reference in Psalm 2 as a scriptural background, they center their prayer on the work of Jesus on the cross. In verses 27 and 28, it reads, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should, should happen. Again, a reference to, to, to the sovereignty of God. But allow me to, to, to paraphrase these words here in the broader teaching in Scripture about, about their prayer. In, in essence, what they were saying was, Lord, they're trying to persecute us as a conspiracy did to the Lord Jesus. We know that this scripture here in Psalm 2 was fulfilled right here. Herod and Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel all united against Jesus, your servant, your anointed one. But we thank you with complete confidence that what they did to him through, through the crucifixion was part of your eternal will, which you set in motion before time even began. It was all part of your purpose, your predetermined, marked out beforehand, redemptive plan to rescue and reconcile and fallen human beings with your loving heart. Jesus, your son, came into this world to take away the sins of this world. He was rejected, unjustly sentenced, and tortured and suffered and cruelly crucified. But according to your plan, oh yes, he died and was buried, but he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he lives eternally. And he is our Savior. And he is our Redeemer and He is our Lord and He forgives sins and He cleanses our impurities and He delivers us from unseen chains. He gives us new life. He transforms our life. He lives within us. He has commissioned us to go and turn the world the right side up by the power of the gospel and your eternal plan which culminated in Jesus must continue through us. They were praying based on what Jesus had done upon the cross. And my encouragement to you today is this. 
before you ask anything. Just center your mind, your thoughts, and your heart upon what Jesus has done upon the cross. All that he has done. They were affirming the sovereign purposes of God through, through the cross. True prayer focuses on all that Jesus has done. His suffering, uh, his, his, his resurrection, his death and his resurrection, his ascension and his, his reign. And when you begin to align the content of your prayer with the victory of the cross, something happens. The cross is the answer to every human need. Jesus is the answer for the world today. And in a world where there's so much anxiety and so much fear and so much confusion, we have an opportunity today to tell people about who Jesus really is. Friends, I want to remind you today, we do not pray from a position of defeat. But based on what we heard this morning around communion, we are praying from a position of victory. We are not praying today from a posture of, of fear and intimidation. We are praying today from a posture of victory because of what Jesus has done. Friends, I want to remind you today of the words of Jesus that it is finished. We do not need to be afraid because our resurrected Savior has absolutely conquered all the powers of evil. United prayer focuses upon the cross. So listen to the flow of this prayer. You reign, you created, you spoke, you revealed yourself in Jesus. So this prayer is building like a mighty tsunami. It's coming. And that leads us to, to, to four. Number four. A fourth thing we see in this passage about united prayer is that united prayer then asks for specific things. United prayer then asks for specific things. So after declaring the sovereignty of God and basing their prayer upon Scripture and centering their thoughts upon Jesus, they are now ready to pray. Up till now, they have not asked for anything. And this is what I'm trying to get through here today. Before we begin to ask it in our crisis or our need, let's begin to start with, Lord, you reign, you spoke, you created the heavens and the earth, and you did so much on, on the cross of Jesus. But in their prayer, they essentially asked for three, three things, and they'll, they'll be up here in a moment. Firstly, they asked that God would be mindful of, of their need. In, in verse number 29, they, they, they call out and said, Now, Lord, consider their threats. In other words, Lord, please be mindful about what is happening here. Lord, be, be, bear us in your heart. Lord, I'm going through some things at the moment I don't understand. And Lord, I need to pour out my heart to you. And the Bible encourages us to pour out our heart to God. 1 Peter 5, verse number 7, cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. My, my encouragement to you today is that you, you wouldn't be human if you didn't have some sense of anxiety about what is happening in the world today. If you've got fear and anxiety, give it to the Lord today. Pour out your heart to him. Tell him openly, honestly, transparently what you're feeling and what you are going through. So they, they ask God to be mindful of, of, of their need. The second thing that they prayed for, was they prayed that they may be empowered to share the gospel boldly. 
Verse number 29 says, And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I, I love the audacity of their prayer. They're faced with something that's bigger than them. They're faced with something they've never faced before. What will they pray? God, give us boldness to tell other people about Jesus. And the context here is that they're asking that they would have boldness to share the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. In other words, what they were praying was, Lord, we need a supernatural fire. We need a boldness which delivers us from, from fear and timidity. We need an infilling of the Holy Spirit that will embolden us. Their prayer was not just a cry of, oh God, help us to, to, to survive. Their prayer was, Lord, help us to prevail. Their prayer was not, oh God, keep us safe from all the attacks. But their prayer was, Lord, make us bolder than we have ever been before. Their prayer was not, oh God, preserve us from difficult times. What, what they prayed was, Lord, help us to reach more people for Jesus in the middle of this hard time. And this is my prayer for you today, is that you would call out in the middle of a national, international crisis and say, God, give us that fire, give us that boldness so that we can tell others about the reality of who you really are. You know, when Paul asked the Ephesian church to pray, pray for him, have, have, have a look at what he prayed for. Ephesians 6 verses 19 and 20 Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly. And one of the central focuses of the corporate prayer of a church should be, Jesus, make us what you want us to be. Jesus, enable us to do what you want us to do. But sadly, many prayers just focus on our agenda, our plans, our needs, our comforts, our will. But what I'm asking you today is to say, Lord, do what you need to do in our church. Oh, God, do what you need to do in our lives. God, do what you need to do in our marriage so that we will really reflect what it is to be your people. And the third thing they prayed for, was they prayed for God's divine and miraculous intervention in their lives. Verse number 30 reads, Oh God, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders. In other words, Lord, we can't do this great task that you have called us to do without your divine enablement. We need divine intervention. Only you can empower your people. Oh God, hear our prayer. We desperately need your hand to be upon us. And isn't that our cry here today? Oh God, we need your power. Oh God, we need your fire. Oh God, we need a greater anointing. Oh God, we need a greater love for lost people. Oh God, we need your presence at work in us and through us. Isn't that our prayer today? And my, my heart would be that today we would hear this and respond to this and call out at this time, God, do something in in. In us. So the flow of the prayer is you reign, you created, you spoke, you revealed your, yourself in Jesus. Therefore, we pray. And number five, the last one and the shortest one. Number five is this. A fifth thing we learn from their prayer 
is that united prayer lifts up the authority of Jesus' name. United prayer lifts up the authority of Jesus' name. Verse number 30 reads, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This powerful prayer concluded by being prayed in the name of Jesus. And let me speak over you and over this church and over our nation here today. There is no name like the name of Jesus. There is no power like the power of Jesus. When the Lord, when the Father raised Jesus from the dead, He gave Him the name that is above every other name. It is a name over every dominion in every realm over everything seen and unseen. Though history remembers many great names, there is no name like the name of Jesus our Lord. His is not just one in a series of names. His name does not just represent one authority among many authorities. He stands alone. In the New Testament, He is the sole authority. And Jesus has given us the right to use His name to continue His ministry. The name of Jesus represents the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. His name represents his authority and power, and he has delegated his authority to us in his name. It is in his name that we begin to engage in prayer. It is his name by which the heavens appears. It is in his name that we approach the throne of grace with boldness and, and confidence. It is in his name that we are gathering here today. It is in his name that his presence is among his people when they gather. It is his name that brings victory and authority and liberty. It is his name that we want to see exalted through our prayer. Friends, today, when we pray in a few moments' time, we are praying in the name of Jesus. It is a name by which heavens are shaken. So, the conclusion, what happened after they prayed this incredible prayer? Verse number 31 reads, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God divinely and miraculously answered their prayer. And listen to their prayer again. Lord, you reign, you created, you spoke, you revealed yourself in Jesus. We're praying for boldness and divine intervention. They prayed in Jesus' name and something happened. You know, a, a little bit later in Acts 12, King, King Herod had, had Peter arrested to please the Jews. But verse 5 says, While Peter was in prison, the church was earnestly praying for him. When the church prayed, they didn't know that God was doing a miracle and God sent an angel who woke up Peter, who loosed his chains, who led him through, through, through the gates and released him. And when Peter came to his senses, he went, he, he went to the house where they were still praying. God had answered their, their prayer. And so many times in Scripture, we see when God's people pray, some, something happens. And, and allow me to conclude with the, this Scripture up here. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, this wonderful promise given to God's people who are praying in God's house at a time of national crisis. It says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven 
and forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't know about you, friends, but at the height of the fires, the forecaster said, there is no rain forecast until April or May. But God's people prayed, and God answered, and it hasn't stopped raining since. Um, certainly in my state and, and here as well. But what I want us to do to pray is, is to pray today. Pray that God would give the governing authorities throughout the world wisdom in how to contain this virus. But I also want us to pray, Lord, let this virus die. Let, let this thing be extinguished. Oh, God, let, let virologists or scientists somehow be inspired to find a vaccine. Let's, let's pray that God will use this, this, this unprecedented moment in modern-day history, in our generation, as a time when people will turn to him in an unprecedented way. Are you ready to pray? Would you mind standing with me, please? If you could just bring up the uh, last slide. Thanks. Up there. I want to lead, I want to lead, lead, lead you... Step, step by step in this prayer here today in Jesus' name. First of all, they began to declare the sovereignty of God. And what I'd love us to do is just lift our voice today t together unitedly with one voice and begin to declare the authority of Jesus' name and begin to declare that God reigns and who He is. Come on, friends, let's all just lift our voice with one voice and begin to declare the sovereignty of God. We thank You that You reign. We thank You that You are the Lord. We thank You that You are the Creator of the heavens and the earth. We thank You, Lord, that You are above it all. We thank You You spoke and it all came into being when there was nothing You spoke and you said let there be light and there was light lord you spoke and said let there be an earth and there was an earth you spoke and lord whole oceans came into being mountains came into being there was a tectonic shift lord i pray in the continents lord you created by the word of your power we declare lord that you are the sovereign lord i want you to declare the sovereignty of god over your circumstances over your family over your church over this nation today uh, let, let there be great faith in your declarations in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are the sovereign Lord over Australia. You are the sovereign Lord. Lord, the earth is yours and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell in it. Lord, we are in your hands. We thank you, Lord. We declare your sovereign rule. We declare your great rule. And the second thing that they did was they began to ground their prayer in Scripture. And I want you just to begin to speak out the Scriptures that you know that are relevant to what we're praying about today. Begin to declare the truth of what God said. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, said, It is written. Let's do that today. Let's begin to speak out what God has written and revealed in his written word. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that it, it is written that what is impossible with man is possible with God. We thank you that, Lord, it is written that you, Lord, will crush Satan under our feet. It is written that, Lord, you have the name that is above every other name, and we, we thank you for that today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we declare that truth. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, that your word declares that Lord, everything belongs to you. We thank you for this power. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for this truth. Thank you for your word, it's truth. The third thing that they did, was they began to focus upon the victory of the cross and all that God had done. And I would love you, please, now, really begin to lift your voice and declare the victory of the blood, the victory of the resurrection, the, the defeat of Satan. Begin to, be, to declare the victory of the cross here today. Come on, friends, lift, lift your voice in the name of Jesus. Lift your voice in the name of Jesus. 
Oh, God, we thank you for the victory of the cross. We thank you for the finished work of the blood. We thank you, Lord, today that you have been raised from the dead and you are the Lord. We thank you, Lord, today that you are seated at the right hand of your Father. Will you ever live to intercede for us? We thank you for that reality, Lord. We thank you for that reality, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the victory, the finality, that it is finished. It is finished, Lord. The battle is over. You have won. You are the victory. Lord, the victor, we thank you, Lord, for that truth. We thank you, Lord, for that reality today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And then the early church, when they had, had been through those things, then they began to pray. And I want us to I just, just take a couple of moments to pray about things that you want God to be mindful of in your own life. And then we're going to pray for boldness. But just take a minute just to pray about the things. Pour out your heart to Him today. Whatever's burdening you, whatever's making you anxious, just unburden your heart today. Just pray to Him about your personal needs today. Oh God, we just commit these things to you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for this reality. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We commit our hearts to you. We unburden our hearts to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. In the name of then they began to call out for boldness. And I want us to call out for God to touch us today with His Spirit and fill us with greater boldness than we've ever known before. That in a time of national crisis, there's a security in us, a boldness to tell others about the hope that we have, the faith that we have. Let's call out today, God, by Your Spirit, fill us with Your boldness. Oh God, fill us with boldness. Deliver us from timidity and fear. Help us to boldly declare, Lord, across Shall Harbor and this region, Lord, I pray the reality of who you are. Let the gospel, I pray, come out of our hearts and lives through our witness, through our words, through our acts, Lord. Oh, God, we call upon you. Call upon you for that today. In the name of Jesus. And then they prayed that God would stretch out his hand in signs and wonders and healing. And I want us to pray today that God would do that in this house, through your life, throughout this whole region, that there would be signs and wonders and miracles that would point to the reality of who Jesus is. Come on, friends, let's call out for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's call out for a great move of God that's unprecedented. Oh, God, we call out to you today. We call out to you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Jesus. You have, thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Let us see, Lord, great signs and wonders and healings and miracles that, Lord, we have never, ever seen before. We thank you for this, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's begin to pray in tongues together, friends. Let's begin to pray in the Spirit for a couple of moments. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the last thing that they did, they lifted up the name of Jesus. And I just want you to forget about everything else right now and just focus on Jesus and let's lift up the name of Jesus. 
just begin to speak out your love of Jesus, your praise of Jesus today. Lord, we thank you that you are good. Thank you, Jesus, that you are great. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your name. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you, Lord.